Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice, or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. We would be honored if you would join us. What is going on, team? Welcome to Spark of Rebellion, a Star Wars show brought to you from a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host today, Mr. Mark Ashworth, flying solo today as Mr. Gaz goes off and liberates the Wookiee homeworld of Kashyyyk. We don't know how that's going to pan out, but Gaz, our thoughts are with you. Stay frosty, bro. We got your back. I am going to fly solo today, and I'm going to talk about really... My experience with Star Wars to celebrate, of course, well, two birthdays in the Star Wars fandom this week. We have the birthday, of course, of Revenge of the Sith, 15 years old. But not only that, not only that, Empire Strikes Back turned 40 years old this week. So I'm going to talk about my experiences with Star Wars to celebrate those two milestones, because those are... Two actually really fascinating movies for me. So I'm going to talk about those in just a second. Kind of just give you a bit of perspective on, you know, where I personally sit and, you know, kind of kind of just dig into what Star Wars means to me as a fan because it's not quite as clear-cut as you might think. It's not quite as clear-cut as you might think. So I'm going to do that, of course, in just a second. But a big shout-out to everyone who supports us over on Patreon. We've got some amazing patrons over there, and we've had some new ones over the last few weeks, and I just want to send a huge, huge thank you out to you guys for being very, very understanding about us not being able to get your merchandise out quite yet. Of course... We can't get down to the Rebel Base Media Studios, which is where this show is usually produced. Myself and Gaz are remote right now. And we can't get down to the studio in Sheffield to get all of our merchandise. It's locked down, of course, because of bloody COVID-19. So thank you to everyone on Patreon for being so understanding. As soon as we can get that uh, that merchandise out, of course, we will do that. I might even be able to get to the studio this week. I'm very, very hopeful that I can at least get down there and get some stuff. So thank you to everyone that joins us on Patreon. If you're wondering what the heck I'm talking about, merchandise, Mark. What's this you say? Well, you could also bag yourself some Spark of Rebellion merchandise. Go and check it out, patreon.com slash sparkofrebellion. You'll find all sorts of bits of information over there about how you can participate in the show, including everything from a cheeky little laptop sticker right up to being an exec producer. doesn't matter who asks me. I will tell them, that you are an exec producer of the show. Yeah, it's some serious street cred, honestly. Goes down well in clubs, goes down well in bars, uh, probably. It probably doesn't, does it? If my track record is anything to go by, it will not work out so well. But anyway, it could be cool. I'll get you some business cards. So go and check it out, patreon.com forward slash Rebellion. Also, hit us up on the socials. We're on the socials all the time talking Star Wars. Gaz is really the guy that mans that. He's a lot more uh, a lot more present than me on the socials via the Sparker Rebellion account. I'm all over on my own account, kind of tweeting all sorts of random bits. But just go ahead and follow us over there. Just search Sparker Rebellion in the podcast app of choice, the social app of choice. 
on the line, wherever you want to follow us, just find us. We will be there. We're pretty much on everything. So just give us a follow. And of course, we will interact. We will chat have a bit of Star Wars bants. All right, let's dig into this. So it's a weird old mythology, isn't it, Star Wars? So I was born in 82. And, you know, this is what, five years after Star Wars came out. It's a year before Jedi. And what is it? Is it? Is it? Uh, yeah, two years after. Of course, it's 40 year anniversary. So it's two years after Empire Strikes Back came out. So what was fascinating to me was that kind of I remember Star Wars being Star Wars. You know, I remember it as a kid. I was almost the right age for it. But as I got to sort of six seven years old, one of my earliest memories of Star Wars was having one of the old kind of plastic, I don't know if it's a Kenner toy or whether whether someone else took them over in the UK, but I had an Emperor toy. I also had an Ewok toy and I had a Luke Skywalker toy. Um, and these were kind of just toys that were thrown in the toy box at my granddad's house. I remember playing out in the garden very specifically with the Emperor. Um, and it was kind of one of those things where I understood that this guy was the Emperor, he was a bad guy from Star Wars, but I didn't understand the story of Star Wars. So for me, it was, Star Wars was always one of those, I guess one of those film series, a little bit like James Bond, where like it was on at Christmas and I didn't know which one I'd seen. I wasn't sure which one I'd seen. I was like, yeah, is it the one with the Ewoks or the one where you find out that Vader's the dad? Uh, What about the one with the old guy? I had no idea. I had no idea which one I was watching. And it was one of those movie series where I just thought, this is pretty cool. And as a kid, it's nice, isn't it? You, you know, Lucas did his job and the Ewoks were nice. The Ewoks were fancy. The Ewoks were cool. And then, you know, obviously the lightsabers were cool and Vader was a badass. And it was just one of those film series. Like, I wasn't nuts about it like a lot of kids are. And it, was, it wasn't until much later because I was then, of course, I was 17 when The Phantom Menace came out. And this, to me, then became really, really interesting, which is why I've got a big love for the prequels. You know, obviously, some of the acting is very, very wooden. The storylines are quite challenging to keep up with at times, especially the political uh, kind of storylines and the arcs. But for me, that was my first real exposure of Star Wars as being a uh, an event. You know, I was 17 at the time. I was 20 when Attack of the Clones came out in 2002. And I was obviously 23 in 2005 when Revenge of the Sith came out. And I remember seeing Revenge of the Sith, you know, all those years ago when it came out of the cinema. I saw them all at the cinema. And I remember thinking, these are badass. Like, these are so good. And yeah, of course, you know, as a, as a younger person, I was like, well, some of the acting's a little bit wooden. Like, that dialogue's a little bit iffy. But right now, you know, when we look back at that, we're looking back at these now, you know, through a nostalgic lens. And we're seeing a lot of fondness for the prequels because, of course... They're getting a bit of new love because they've been fleshed out a little bit more in the extended universe. Uh, we've got the culmination of the Skywalker saga over the last five years uh, following the Disney acquisition. And obviously the prequels are seeing a little bit more love now because <clears throat> obviously of, of that nostalgia, but also because we're starting to see that story fleshed out a little bit, in particular in places like the Clone Wars and Rebels, they introduced us to characters like Captain Rex, like Ahsoka Tano, that were able to help us to flesh out that prequel era. So those movies are getting some love. But the thing that really fascinated me was really that, you know, it was Anakin's story. This interested me. In particular, I remember seeing The Phantom Menace and thinking to myself, wow, so this kid goes on to be Vader. Like, this is going to be a fascinating story. And sure, it's taken, you know, it's taken, well, 21, 21 years 
to become really fleshed out thanks to the Clone Wars. But that really fascinated me. And that was my, I think that was my gateway into mythology. It was my gateway into kind of really just understanding that this was a bigger connected picture. You know, I remember seeing, and I wasn't a big, you know, a big reader of the extended universe. I've only really read the Kenobi book, the Plagueis book. I've not read any of the real, You know, I've not read any of the the old school legends, any of the old extended universe, because that just wasn't my era. You know, I've maybe read Kenobi, I've read Plagueis, but I've not really read anything from that extended universe era. And this is why, to me, the prequels are so fascinating. So as I sort of dove into those, and, you know, really, to me, it was interesting when when Lucasfilm um, decanonicalized all of those stories. You know, when, when it became... It accessible to me as a, as a, I guess more of a, a, a new entrant to Star Wars, you know, when they reset the canon. I was, I was a big fan of the movies and I was a big fan of the Clone Wars and so on. But when they fully reset the canon, I was like, wait a sec, this is my chance to go deep. And I did the same thing with DC Comics. You know, I was a big DC Comics fan. Um, and when they reset their timeline with the new 52, you know, love it or loathe it. I was I was very much part of that. And I, I took that opportunity to get back into DC Comics. And I went back and read everything from Christ on Infinite Earth right up to the new 52. And then subsequently, new 52 through to Rebirth and Rebirth, you know, as to where we are now. And I did the same thing with Star Wars. I took the opportunity when Lucasfilm reset things to say, right, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get back into this and I'm going to really kind of look into the mythology because the prequels have wet my appetite for that mythology. Okay, look, you've got Darth Vader here in Jedi who's redeemed and this is fascinating to me because you've then got another three movies that kind of go into his backstory. Like that was the fascinating connective mythology behind the scenes. And I remember seeing back in 1999 when I went to see The Phantom Menace. I remember seeing a poster, you'll remember it, it was a, a Tatooine poster of a, of a hut in Tatooine with Anakin Skywalker, Jake Lloyd, sort of walking towards the camera, and the shadow that was cast was obviously the shadow of Darth Vader. And I thought, that is just a wonderful piece of marketing. Like, for anyone that's seen Star Wars, even just in a passing manner, you know, you will know that silhouette, you will know that shadow, and you will know what that implies. And it just, that's the kind of stuff that got me hooked. And it was interesting to me to kind of revisit Star Wars through the lens of being really a prequel era fan. I was, you know, I wasn't an OT fan. And, you know, this is, it's really weird because Gaz, obviously, he's a huge OT guy. And Dan Ocock, a great friend of mine, he was an he was a really OTT original trilogy fan. Like, he knew everything about them, and he still does. And, you know, a lot of my friends, Chris Ducker, Pascal Fintoni, they're all original trilogy fans, which is fantastic. But I wasn't that guy. I got into it when the mythology expanded, because that's what gets me really, really interested. Um, You know, really kind of, for me, the fascinating thing is the connective tissue. It's all the bits around the scenes. Like anyone that listens to the show, you'll know that that's where I really, really come alive. I really, really enjoy that. And, you know, I'm fascinated by, well, wait a sec, this happened over here. So how does it affect this thing 15 years later over here? That's why the Mandalorian's fascinating to me. It's why the Clone Wars is fascinating to me. And now looking back through the lens of 40 years 
and looking back through the lens of, of 15 years for the Re- Revenge of the Sith movie, it really gives me an appreciation for not necessarily how these were threaded together from the outset, because it's very clear that the original trilogy didn't have the plans in place. You know, we've talked about it with A New Hope, you know, the, the, the relationships with characters from A New Hope to Empire Strikes Back. You know, there's a lot of evolution there. Darth Vader, you know, the way that he is uh, defined, the way that he is addressed, changes. You know, he suddenly becomes Vader, and that's the name, and Darth is the title. Whereas in, in A New Hope, obviously, the, Darth is the name, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who, you know, if we're going by canon, knew Darth Vader. You know, he, he, he'd, he'd already battled Darth Maul. He knew that Darth was a title, but he calls him Darth like it's a name. So what fascinates me with this is that this evolved, all right? And this is why I love Star Wars. This is why I love the DC universe. It's why I love the Marvel universe, is that people see things in unexpected places and they see things and they really, they really jump on them and they take one tiny piece of the law and they expand it and turn it into something, which is why, to me, Star Wars is such a never-ending, rich tapestry of storytelling, of detail, of fascinating mythology. You know, we're talking now about someone like, a character like Cobb Vanth, who was a fairly throwaway character in Chuck Wendig's Aftermath series. He was kind of the sheriff who ended up with, uh, it sounds like he ended up, if I remember correctly, kind of purchasing Boba Fett's armour from someone that got it out of the Sarlacc pit, if I remember right. I think it's maybe in the second Aftermath novel. And, you know, maybe Cobb Vanth is is played by Timothy Oliphant in The Mandalorian Season 2. We don't know. It's a rumour. But these tiny little characters, Snap Wexley from the Aftermath trilogy, was played by the guy that played Mac Partman in Heroes, Greg Grunberg. He played him in the sequel trilogy. Like, these tiny things that they don't have to do. You know, and there's a, you know, there's a whole story we can go into and a whole discussion about The Rise of Skywalker, why that didn't quite hit those beats as well. But that's for later. And this is what fascinated me, all right? And to me, Revenge of the Sith was really the one that got me really going with this. I mean, this was the one that really got me going with it because it was, wait a second, that's kind of almost, we can see that could be the Obi-Wan Kenobi that we saw in A New Hope. And to me, it really tied everything together. I was fascinated, regardless of whether you liked the political plots, the political beats, I personally was absolutely fascinated by the character of Palpatine, the just what an absolute genius character that character is. The just the manipulation. And this is where Lucas and, and, and his own vision really comes into play for the prequels. You know, this real payoff in Revenge of the Sith where you see, wait a second, this guy has constructed this entire war so that he can build just this divide and wipe out the Jedi and he can he can spin the propaganda, but also he can bring two factions together and turn them into one galactic empire. Like that to me was just absolutely fascinating as a story. It was fascinating as a story. What an amazing character. And, you know, when you move through from there, you know, if you my experience then of the Emperor in Empire Strikes Back, you know, that guy, that kid playing with toys in my granddad's garden, and not really realising that this this story was yet to be told. This is why I fell in love with Star Wars, probably later than so very many other people did. And I think one of the interesting things that, that gets me excited about the future of Star Wars is that, you know, despite what you think of the sequel trilogy, love it or loathe it, 
you know, there's now so much ground that we can tread, you know, with the time jumps that we've seen, that 30 year expansion. I really don't think that we're done with Luke Skywalker. Obviously, well, I don't think we're done with Ahsoka. I don't think we're done with Rex. I don't think we're done even with Leia. You know, I think we're going to see more and more going on in that 30 year time period after Jedi pre Force Awakens. And that fascinates me because it gives us an opportunity to do for that time period the very same thing that has been done for the Clone Wars era, which is some of the best storytelling, you know, take out the filler episodes, but some of the best storytelling, whether it's through TV or whether it's Son of Dathomir, the comic, whether it's the Ahsoka book, whether it is Dark Disciple, which is absolutely unbelievable as a story. You know, that really shows how the Jedi are really at the wit's end when it comes to Count Dooku. Um, it is he's absolutely fantastic. It is really, really really, really well done. And this excites me. And this is why I'm such a Star Wars fan now. You know, I'm not, I'm not the kid that was hooked on Star Wars. I'm not the kid that was outside the cinema for Return of the Jedi. I was one year old. You know, I'm not the kid that got into Star Wars and watched it religiously. I was the kid that watched it because it was on TV at Christmas and it was cool to have the toys and look at that. It's a Walker or it's a Millennium Falcon or it's the Emperor or an Ewok, whatever. You know, I was never that guy that was just tripping over themselves to be the Jedi. I wasn't that guy. And, you know, as I've dug more into into the writings, the work of Joseph Campbell, as I've dug into more mythologies generally throughout history, but also, like I said, revisiting the DC mythology, the things that fascinate me are the connective tissues, the things that link things together, the tiny little details that you think, wait a sec, I recognize that from somewhere. And this is this is why I think Star Wars will stand the test of time. It's why we'll be talking about Empire in another 40 years, because that really was the defining film of that era. You know, it was a very, very, obviously a very, very big plot twist, but it was the first movie that I can remember seeing where the bad guys won. It was the first movie I can remember seeing where the bad guys won. And it was... Like, it was shocking. You know, I remember seeing, you know, Luke and Leia and 3PO and R2, you know, watching Lando and Chewie go off to Tatooine at the end, you know, from what appears to be outside of the galaxy. Is it Polis Summer or is that, no, Polis is the the one in Revenge of the Sith. Um, but it, it, it really kind of made me think, right, this really is a cliffhanger. You know, the, 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 the original Star Wars, to me, was just a very nice, well-rounded, well-put-together, you know, fairly standalone film if you wanted it to be, you know, good, outs, evil. And Empire was the real one that really got me thinking about, wait a second, okay, there's more to this story. This is a cliffhanger. And like I said, I'm, I'm four years old, five years old, six years old, seeing this repeatedly every Christmas. And... I think it's that that fascinated me when it came to things like, you know, when I transposed that that kind of ideal through to Superman or through to Batman 89. You know, I remember standing in front, I'm a very big music guy, my music gets me going, I, you know, it really like makes the hair stand up on the back of my my uh, my neck, you know, and I was I, I was always a big fan of the Star Wars music, but the big thing I loved was the, was the Superman theme tune. I was a, a huge Superman fan as a kid, still am. And, uh, you know, I remember standing in front of my, my old LP player at my grandmother's house and she'd put the, the Superman theme tune on on repeat. And it just, it still to this day, you know, makes hair stand up on the back of my neck. I love it. I absolutely love it. So imagine my delight to find out at such a young age that, wait a second, this, this is by the same guy that did Star Wars, that other one that I love and Indiana Jones and my word so this it didn't only like the, the the empire and the original trilogy and then revisiting this as a 17 year old with phantom menace and then right through to revenge of the sith you know this 
this didn't just define movies for me, it defined actually a love of soundtracks and a love of music and John Williams and then diversifying into Sylvester and Hans Zimmer uh, and Elfman. And, you know, th- it was a very formative time for so many people. And I think for someone of my generation and Gaza's generation as well, you know, we had just come off the back of the original trilogy. So they were in the public psyche. Like my mum was able to tell me about them and she was able to sit me down and say, this is suitable for you at Christmas. Let's watch it together. But then also we were at that time where, you know, maybe a couple of years older than, 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 than Lucas maybe intended, you know, maybe it was aimed at 10, 12, 14 year old kids, but 17 year olds watching Phantom Menace, you know, they've got a bit of a propensity for geekdom. What, you know, it was fantastic. And that to me really kicked off. Um, a real strong era in in movies for me personally because the prequels kind of were around at the same time as the original X-Men trilogy. You know, you had X-Men 2000. You had X-Men, was it X2, 2002, 2003? You also had Spider-Man, Raimi's Spider-Man in 2002 and the follow-up in 2004, which again, as a sequel goes, is actually better than the original. And you start to think, what what an era this is, along with like the American Pies of the world, the kind of, the music from that era. So for a guy of my age, who's now, you know, 38, 39 years old, what an absolute beautiful era to be a part of. And Star Wars was absolutely central to that. And none of that could exist without Empire. None of that could exist without Jedi, without A New Hope. And what I, what I, I'm thankful for is the stories and the patience that have come in order to give this universe and this storytelling, um, a real, a real, I guess, sense of being alive. You know, this will never stop. We will be talking to this about our kids. You know, I do educate my nephew on it. I just bought Star Wars Myths and Fables this week so that I can, I can talk to the kid about it. And, you know, I'm going to be talking to him and I'm going to be giving him toys and I'm going to be educating him on why Luke Skywalker does what he does and why Kenobi does what he does and who the heck's this little green guy. And it's, it's generational. This will never cease. You know, it becomes, a generation's metropolis. It becomes a generation's planet of the apes. It becomes a generation's citizen Kane, you know, and that's, it, that's not said lightly. Like these are amazing seminal movies. You know, it becomes the godfather of a generation of geeks because it's the ultimate expression of geekdom. And it, it's, it's disseminated itself and it, it's managed to penetrate pop culture so readily that it's not just the geeks that love it. It's everyone that knows it. All right. It's everyone that knows it. And for that, I'm hugely, hugely grateful. And that is, you know, that's my experience of Star Wars. I'm not that original trilogy guy that was a fan from day one. I was the guy that, that, that loves the prequels. I'm the guy that was first introduced to the mythology, not the movies, not the stories, but the mythology of Star Wars thanks to the prequels. And for that, I'm very, very grateful. So, you know, happy birthday, Revenge of the Sith, 15 years, and happy birthday, Empire Strikes Back, 40 years. Listen, go and check out some of the Instagram pages that are going on right now. Go and check out people like Matt Ferguson, a designer that we know, and go and check out all these people that work for, uh, or do do commissioned work for people like Bottleneck Gallery. Uh, the guys that are really kind of designing some badass things around Revenge of the Sith, around Empire Strikes Back, because there's a heck of a lot of great work going on right now to commemorate 
these two big birthdays, these two big milestones. So go and check them out. There's just so much, it's so much geek goodness right now that you can get a hold of. So please go and check some of that stuff out. And uh, thanks for tuning in, Gaz. We'll of course be back next week. This is just me waxing lyrical and giving you my background in Star Wars. I want to hear your Star Wars story. Let us know. You know, give us a tweet. Go and search for us on Twitter, Sparker Rebellion, and let us know what your first experience with Star Wars was. What made you fall in love with a galaxy far, far away? And we'll we'll be delighted to chat about that over on Twitter. And of course, until next time, it's always a real pleasure to be able to chat to you. And you know, I, I'm just always grateful to be able to do this. Like. It, it amazes me that people actually listen to a couple of guys that wax lyrical about Star Wars. So until next time, thank you for joining me. Gaz will be back. Do go ahead and check out patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion. Stay safe. Stay sane. Go and watch Revenge of the Sith. Go and watch Empire. They're both on Disney Plus and arguably they have never looked better. And remember, the force will be with you always. Always.